0: policy gets changed, A16, you know, Mark Andreessen wins again. He's very powerful. And Elizabeth Warren can then turn that into, you know, we bailed out the billionaires. And she's kind of not wrong about that. Welcome to the powers that be daily pucks podcast
1: focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley and Hollywood and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, March 14th. Today I'm joined by Bill Cohan with all the latest on the historic collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Bill punches through the noise, the partisanship, and some of the more obnoxious takes on Twitter to tell us what this fiasco means for SVB's depositors, the American taxpayer, other banks, and the entire financial system. You'll want to hear this conversation. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash. Powers to get your ChiliPad and save up to $315 with code POWERS. This offer is available exclusively for Powers That Be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleepsleep.me/powers because you're not just investing in better sleep, you're creating a better life. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to The Powers That Be. I'm joined, of course, today by Bill Cohan, who's going to walk us through the latest on the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, I believe the second biggest failure all-time, Bill, after Washington Mutual back in 2008 when the financial crisis was going down. Thanks for joining us. I know you've been busy this last weekend, just like a lot of uh, VC guys and companies and anyone who had exposure to this bank I haven't heard a great sort of Cliff notesy explainer on how this all went down. Can you just give me one real quick for powers that be listeners? Like, why did this happen?
0: It happened because any time depositors all rush to get their money out of a financial institution at the same time, banks fail because the dirty little secret of fractional banking, which is... Our banking system, which really means that, even though we think our money is at the bank, Peter, because we put it there and it's oh, you know, it's there when we go to the ATM machine and we take out a hundred bucks, it's really uh, it's not there. And so the banks count on the fact that we don't always all want our money at once, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because for banks to make money, they take the money that we deposit there paying us virtually nothing for that. And if you look at the interest that you get on your savings or your checking, it's virtually zero. Uh, certainly mine is over here at J.P. Morgan Chase. They take your deposits along with all sorts of other money and they lend that out to corporations, to municipalities, to universities, to sports teams, to you name it. And they charge more for that money than they give us on our money. And the difference between those two, plus all sorts of fees and et cetera, et cetera, uh, is how they make their money. And they make a lot of money. In 2021, JP Morgan made $48 billion of net income. So they make a lot of money this way. And it all works great uh, until people lose confidence in a bank for whatever reason. And they all want their money at the same time, which, of course, is what happened last Wednesday and Thursday at Silicon Valley Bank in the Silicon Valley. Whatever reason, which is still a bit of a mystery, whether it was a bunch of VCs decided that Silicon Valley Bank was no longer a, a smart place to keep your money. And so they told their portfolio companies to take their money out, or whether, you know, the deposits had been decreasing anyway. And the whole problem was exacerbated by the fact that as people sort of stormed to get their money out of this bank, to see who could get their money out fast enough. They did not have the money to give them because, mm-hmm. as I said before, the money is never at the bank. It was, you know, in this case, uh, in addition to being loaned out for five, seven, or 10 years, was foolishly uh, invested in a short, in treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities of seven, 10 years or whatever and try to raise the capital that they needed to give money back to the people who wanted it. They had to sell a big portion of that bond portfolio, took a $2 billion loss because the Fed had raised interest rates so dramatically. They had made this bet essentially that their bonds would be safe when they were bought at the top of the market when interest rates were really low. But what happens is when interest rates increase dramatically and then you go to sell those bonds, they're not worth par. They're not worth a hundred cents on the dollar and you have to take your hit. So then they mm-hmm. took their hit and then they said, oh, by the way, we're now going to raise 2 billion of equity and everybody decided, okay, you know, this, this thing's over. Les just some en fade. Fait. We got to get out of here. This thing's going down the tubes, whether it is going down the tubes or was going down the tubes or would have gone down the tubes between social media and the way they communicated it was over
1: some of the social media bank panic agitation was came off as a little dystopian to me i was like anyone can tweet anything and spark a panic and also by the way bill like i feel like especially during covid i saw this on tiktok a lot like lots of people just became like amateur traders not that like those are the types of people that were like had exposure to silicon valley bank but it just feels like a lot of people can get set off pretty easily if they just see like a random tweet and get spooked, <laughs> and you know even the smart people are looking over their shoulder at other smart people and other people like Peter Thiel, for example, who you know might suggest that this bank doesn't have any more money, and that that's what could have triggered this. Just maybe some stupidity as well on the part of
0: <laughs> people on the internet. You know, the, 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 every, everybody's a publisher now, Peter. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody has no. Uh, carburetor on their voice. Uh, they just go right to Twitter, say what they want, go to TikTok, say what they want, go to Instagram. A lot mm-hmm. of false gods out there. A lot mm-hmm. of people who uh, act with an incredible air of authority as if they know what they're talking about. And, you know, then it's also exacerbated by people who generally do know what they're talking about and have a track record of knowing what they're talking about. Like I saw... A lot of tweets on this topic over the weekend from Bill Ackman, uh, mm-hmm. who turns out is a big fan of Twitter now. Uh, apparently, he bought some of uh, Elon's equity at $44 billion purchase price. So he's he's uh, partnered with Elon in Twitter in a small way. And he now, you know, he did a Twitter Spaces. He's been writing uh, essays on Twitter about all of uh-huh. this. And he speaks with a lot of authority because, you know, he's made a lot of smart investments over the year. He's he's made a lot of dumb investments over the year. But, you know, as I wrote about extensively about him in uh, March of 2020, he made, uh, he, you know, he turned a $27 million investment in credit default swaps uh, into $3.5 billion profit, talking about what would happen uh, because of the pandemic and what would happen in the bond market and what the Fed would do as a result of that, in three weeks. So he's become sort of a, an authority on panic situations. And I'm not saying in any way he fomented it or exacerbated it in any way, but he was had a running commentary o- about it and what sh- should happen. I think, you know, whether it was Peter Thiel and his Founders Fund and their portfolio, uh, a lot of people have suggested that maybe A16Z and Sequoia... Uh, We're telling their portfolio companies to get the hell out of uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Mm -hmm. Don't know that there's any evidence of that per se. They, of course, don't answer anybody's questions when you ask them, uh, which is annoying to say the least. (laughs) So, you know, the rumors were flying about various venture capital firms uh, deciding that Silicon Valley Bank was over getting their uh, portfolio companies to take money out. You know, the same thing happened with Bear Stearns in March of 2008, literally 15 years ago, when hedge funds decided that Bear Stearns was over and urged, you know, told each other to take their money out. Some even bought short-dated puts mm-hmm. to benefit from the collapsing stock. Mm-hmm. We never figured out who did that. So it doesn't take much, Peter. Uh, this is a confidence game. You know, when the moment that confidence is lost, it almost doesn't matter what the reason is, that the confidence was lost it doesn't really matter whether it's true or not all that matters is you've been mentioned uh, as a failing bank and that's pretty much all it takes these days bill i'll do a quick break and then when we come back i want to ask you about some of the larger
1: political currents swirling around the story Hey guys, it's Peter. I travel all the time, especially in an election year. And as we all know, what luggage you choose matters. Briggs & Riley is my personal favorite because their luggage performs. It's extremely durable, has amazing features that make packing and getting around easier, and they have the best lifetime guarantee in the industry. If your bag is ever broken or damaged, they will repair it free of charge. No proof of purchase needed, no questions asked, even if an airline damages your bag. All features were created to address customer pain points for a better travel experience. They're extremely durable with rigorous testing and premium materials to last for life. And one thing I love, they're supremely smooth shock absorbing wheels for easy gliding through your travels through whatever airport you're zooming through. And hot off the press, the Simpatico collection of hard-sided luggage. It's new and improved and just launched on BriggsRiley.com. That's Briggs-Riley.com. It has the new one-touch feature, which allows you to expand your luggage, pack it, and then compress it to its original size. So a carry-on can still fit in the overhead compartment, and that's just one of the new features. It's available in black, navy, and olive. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Powers That Be, everyone. Bill, you were just talking about Bill Ackman. David Sachs is somebody else who was tweeting prolifically through the weekend and after the FDIC and others announced that they were going to basically like back up the depositors and make sure... Everyone's money is safe. They were on Twitter saying something I, I want your opinion on, which is this was not a bailout. And that's sort of one, a comparison to 2008. This is not the same. There's not the same kind of contagion. These were tech companies, bankers, VCs who put their money into a bank expecting that they could withdraw money from a bank. It wasn't like there were toxic mortgage backed securities all over the world. This could have brought down the entire financial system. But I do think the point they're making is in comparison also to a lot of the commentary in the centrist mainstream press, certainly on the left coming from Elizabeth Warren types, that this was a bailout. This is on the backs of taxpayers. So what's your take? Was this a a bailout or is that just like a a word that doesn't really mean anything right now?
0: A bailout is a bad word, Peter. Bailout is a bad word. Uh, politically. So, of course, Elizabeth Warren thinks it's a bailout because that she can score political points that way. Uh, the Fed, the Treasury, the FDIC does not want anybody to think it's a bailout because they don't want to get labeled with having bailed out venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. That's not a good look. You know, Stepping back, objectively speaking, what really happened? It's a quasi bailout. OK, it's not like 2008 where shareholders of these banks, are the ones that survived and bondholders especially, uh, got bailed out and, you know, customers mm-hmm. were, were fine. In this situation, the shareholders got zeroed out. The bondholders will probably get zeroed out. Depositors who had less than $250,000 in their accounts, which is probably most people most of the time. Uh, in the unique circumstances of Silicon Valley Bank, it wasn't really a retail bank. It was mm-hmm. a bank that had a crappy business model, Peter, took all kinds of risks operationally that they shouldn't take uh, to get clients, uh, like you know making loans, you know to venture capital portfolio companies, even though they had they were pre-revenue and things like that, taking warrants uh, in these companies. It, it was a good way to get close to clients because, of course, it was foolish a foolish business plan. It was foolish from a credit point of view. So you had these big venture capital firms with their portfolio companies' money in Silicon Valley Bank, with their own money in Silicon Valley Bank, with their limited partners' money in Silicon Valley Bank, and obviously that was much more than $250,000. So then the siren calls over the weekend Got louder and louder and louder that, of course, if we don't get made whole, we're not going to meet payroll. And we're talking about people's jobs. And, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. really, that was possibly true. I mean, I talked to a number of venture capitalists who were, you know, busy, ready to make bridge loans to their portfolio companies, assuming they weren't going to get bailed out. And they did. They did. I mean, we're talking about a serious change of policy now. It used to be. Nobody over $250,000 got their deposits uh, weren't safe. You know, that doesn't mean they weren't going to get their money back over time or 90% of it, but it was going to take time. Now, the FDIC has basically said anything over $250,000, you are safe. So, I mean, who really is the bank now? Do we even have private banks anymore? Or has the government been basically said, we're going to guarantee all deposits? Who's the bank? Well, that's something else I want to ask you. Is there a policy solution to this moving
1: forward? Again, Elizabeth Warren says, and a lot of Democrats, although many Democrats voted for this deregulation back in 2018 on the Hill, that Donald Trump rolled back some Dodd-Frank
0: regulations that might have mitigated this well, yeah, problem. Th- this, this is a big point. Let me just stop you for a second, because stress tests now apply to uh, banks with more than $250 billion of assets. And it used to be $50 billion of assets. But Trump and company mm-hmm. and even some Democrats, uh, you know, and I, I would love to know what our Puck colleagues who cover politics say about who is responsible for this. I mean, I, I, this may bank maybe even in Kevin McCarthy's district. I'm not sure or, or tangential to his district. How did this get rolled back is an interesting question. I note that Barney Frank is on the board of Signature Bank, which also failed, which is hmm. ironic to say the least. But you know, had the stress tests applied to banks with more than 50 billion of assets, then both Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank has around 215 billion of assets, or did, Signature Bank had about 100 billion of assets. So they both would have been stress tested, and I'm sure, or I'd like to think that the regulators would have said, "Hey, uh, your business model stinks, <laughs> and you shouldn't be investing in." You know, mortgage backed securities and treasuries at the top of the market because, mm-hmm. you know, interest rates are going up and you're going to get totally hosed if you need to sell these things. So, but they got themselves exempted from this. And so they weren't stress test. They, you know, they weren't really regulated as stringently as they should have been because, you know, they are, Silicon Valley Bank was the 16th largest bank. And somehow it's not being properly regulated because it successfully lobbied to raise the, the, The asset test to $250 it's an outrage. And now they want us to come along and, you know, bail them out. And now we effectively have. We've changed the policy in a serious way about how depositors get, which level of depositors get protected. In effect, we've now helped, you know, Andreessen Horowitz make sure they get their billion dollars or so that I hear that they have at Silicon Valley Bank. You know, two days ago, they wouldn't have been protected.
1: I noticed a different tone in the conversation about this between sort of East Coast media and politics and those on the West Coast. Um, And this jumped out at me over the weekend when when Gavin Newsom issued a statement um, as they were sort of figuring out, you know, how to respond to this crisis. And he said... I've been in touch with the highest levels of leadership at the White House and Treasury. Everyone is working with FDIC to stabilize the situation as quickly as possible to protect jobs, people's livelihoods, and this is what jumped out at me, the entire innovation ecosystem that has served as a tentpole for our economy. And my friends and and their friends who had money in Silicon Bank, bank and, and their companies, they were also freaking out over the weekend. And it was a little bit of a different type of conversation than the one that you hear from Elizabeth Warren, which is like comparing this to the 2008 crisis. And then you have Democrats out here on the left coast who are saying, well, no, this is isolated. There's not going to be a contagion. This is about shoring up these very important tech companies. And we need the government's help here. It's not the same thing. I just that just really jumped out at me. There were just like on the East Coast and the West Coast, two different kinds of perspectives on what would happen if
0: this bank collapsed. Yeah, I mean, this is a particular ecosystem. This isn't the whole financial system, right? Just like FTX going down uh, affected the crypto ecosystem to the extent that it did, but it didn't affect everybody else. This affects a certain sector of the you know Silicon Valley innovation startup ecosystem. So, I mean, I heard from VCs on the East Coast here who were freaking out because their portfolio companies had their money at Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I heard from an entrepreneur in Vienna who had his company's money in Silicon Valley Bank. Hmm. Obviously, in Silicon Valley and the West Coast, the venture capital firms that do business with Silicon Valley Bank for whatever crazy reasons were freaking out. And they make a lot of noise. And they have a big megaphone, Okay, And, you know, Twitter is part of that. And Elon Musk is part of that. At one point, Elon said, you know, maybe I'll buy Silicon Valley Bank and fold it into Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, so they make a lot of noise. They have a lot of money. They're very powerful politically. Part of, unfortunately, the decision that occurred here uh, late Sunday night, which was to change the policy dramatically and effectively bail out depositors up to, you know, an unlimited amount of money beyond 250,000 right there you're no longer talking about little people you're talking about rich people, wealthy people and you're effectively protecting them from the blast zone of this explosion you know which may or may not be the right thing to do but it is a change in policy you know it's the right thing probably for the undercapitalized startups and their payrolls but is it the mm-hmm. right thing to allow a16z, to make be whole immediately on their billion dollars that they have at Silicon Valley Bank. I don't know. Doesn't seem mm. right, but they're very powerful and you can't say okay, well, we're going to you know do this for some people with money more than 250,000 but not all people. You know, then then you're just picking winners and losers and we don't like to do that. So the policy gets changed, A16, you know, Mark Andreessen wins again. He's very powerful. And Elizabeth Warren can then turn that into, you know, we bailed out the billionaires. And she's kind of not wrong about that. But it's not the same as 2008, not even by any stretch of the imagination. It's right to restore confidence in these regional banks who still got hammered today, you know, in the stock market. But, you know, I think the run on the bank aspect of it has been curtailed. And that's probably a very important thing to do. But in the course of that, once again, you've bailed out billionaires. You've bailed out Mark Andreessen, but not with taxpayer money. Not yet. Uh, it could go that way. At the moment, they're they're bailing out. Uh, the bailout is being run by the FDIC, which has mm-hmm. about a you know hundred or two hundred billion dollars in it that comes from the banks. It's the banks mm-hmm. have to pay those premiums to the FDIC. Now we'll see how far that goes. I suspect that'll go far enough. But another thing that's happening here is, if I understand properly, Mm -hmm. is that the Fed is thinking about buying these assets from Silicon Valley Bank that they invested in uh, these treasuries and these uh, mortgage-backed securities that were bought when the market was at its peak and have since lost a lot of value. They're buying them for par. Well, Mm -hmm. if they're buying them for par, that means that they're paying 100 cents for something that's worth 80 cents. Who's paying that? Uh, Mm -hmm. The Fed is paying that. Who's the Fed? Is the Fed, the Fed is owned by banks. Maybe the Fed has the profits to do that, or maybe the Treasury's doing this. You know, somehow some of that could get back to taxpayers, but that's a big black box. I'm not sure yet we know the answer to that. All right, Bill, thank you so much for walking us through this. Maybe we'll have you back on this week if things go haywire.
1: (laughs) Thanks a lot, man.